0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsummerset.com. Which is our series on the Gospel of John. Last week we started. This is week two. So we'll be looking at the second sign, healing a royal official son. I'll remind you that the purpose of this series is to point to Jesus as Messiah, um, John says in John 20, verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, John wrote these seven signs into his gospel to show us that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, and through him we can have life in his name. Um, Today, we're going to talk about the importance of faith, and through the years, I've collected a few things about faith. I remember years ago, I found a saying where it says, faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to, and I suppose that's true. I was looking up some new ones this week. Uh, James Hewitt said, faith is the bird that feels the light and sings to greet the dawn while it's still dark. Think about that. You know, faith um Faith is something we exercise even when you don't see the results because that's the nature of faith. Uh, someone said faith is putting all your eggs in God's basket and then counting your blessings before they hatch because you believe they're going to you know hatch. Uh, someone said faith takes the things God has promised and moves forward. Fear says how and faith says God. Well, that's that's true. I'm reminded of the verse in Hebrews 11: 1, Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Uh, Or the King James says it this way, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so when we think about it that way, uh, that's what faith is like. Now, faith is very important because in this story today, in the second sign, you're going to see a man who comes with some faith. And as the story progresses, his faith becomes stronger uh, but let's look at the story first. In John 4, verse 46, it says that Jesus went again to Cana of Galilee where he had turned the water and the wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and he pleaded with him to come down and heal his son since he was about to die. The idea there is he continues to plead. Hey, you've got to come down. You've got to heal my son. He's about to die. You've got to come, Jesus. You've got to come. Uh, you, You know, you've got to come and heal my son. He's about to die. And so notice the exchange with Jesus as we look at this story. You can imagine, you know, you can tell it's a crisis. You can tell this guy's got urgency. I mean, this is this child that he's talking about. And it says here, Jesus told him, Unless you people, and that is a good way to translate this because he's looking at at the man, but he's talking to everyone that is gathered. He's speaking in the plural. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. And Jesus said, go and your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. Now that's an interesting exchange, isn't it? Because here is a royal official who's used to giving orders, and he's asking Jesus, "You got to come. You got to come. You got to come. My son's about to die. You got to come and heal him, Jesus. You got to come. You got to come." He's heard about Jesus. He's heard what Jesus can do, and so if he can just bring that back to his house so that he can heal his son, you've got to come, Jesus, because my son's about to die. And Jesus says, "Go." Let that sink in for a minute. Go. In other words, I'm not coming with you, but I'm giving the order, go. Your son will live. Think of the faith that that would take. That's the exchange between Jesus and this man. Notice the expression of faith that Jesus promised. It says that uh, he's told um, to, uh, to go and your son will live. And it says there in verse 50, the man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. And it says in verse 51, while he was still going down, his servants met him saying that, this, that his boy was alive. And he asked them at what time he got better. And they said, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the father realized this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. And so he himself believed along with his whole household Now, this was also the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. Notice the stages of faith that this royal official went through. At first, he had crisis faith. There was a crisis that prompted him to seek Jesus. His son is about to die. And he had heard about some of the things Jesus had done. And he's like, you know, that's just 20 miles away. I'm going to go. I'm going to do all that I can to save my son. So it's Christ's faith. But then, as he gets a word from Jesus, go and your son will live, now it's confident faith. Hey, Jesus spoke to me and He made a promise. Go and your son will live. And so now he's confident in what Jesus has told him. He's got a confident faith. And as he's going back to his hometown, eventually he meets his servants who say, hey, your son's going to be all right. And he said, well, when did it happen? They said about one yesterday. And he concluded that's when Jesus, the very moment that Jesus said, go, your son will live. Now he's got confirmed faith. I mean, he can look back and go, that's when it all changed. Here's when Jesus told me that. They said, that's when my boy changed. He's got confirmed faith. That's always a good feeling, isn't it? To to have that confirmation of God came through. Look what he did. And then his confirmed faith becomes contagious faith because now not only does he believe, but it says that also his whole household, they saw what God had done, they heard the, what Jesus had said, and they believed too. What an awesome story. Warren Weersby says Jesus showed his power over space. He was not limited simply because he was in Cana and the boy was in Capernaum. The fact that the father believed the word and didn't know the results until the next day, is evidence that he had confident faith. He trusted the word that Jesus spoke, and so should we. Adrian Rogers says that this sign tells us that Jesus is God's assurance for our doubts. Do you ever struggle with doubt? Do you ever come? I know there's another story where a man came to Jesus one time and he said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. You ever come, you know, wanting to trust God, but you got a little bit of doubt, you're kind of struggling, you know, can I I trust God with this? Can I give God this issue, this problem, this burden? Is He going to work? Is He going to move? Am I willing to let go? Can I just simply trust God? Many times we live in that tension. And so today I want to talk to you about how we can overcome the struggle of doubt. And I've got three things to say about that. Will we overcome the struggle of doubt? When we come to Christ just as we are, here is a man who's desperate. His, his son is dying at home. He's probably tried everything up until this point. He's probably tried the doctors. He's tried this. He's tried that. Nothing's working and he's running out of time and he's running out of hope. But he's heard about Jesus. He's heard about Him. And John is introducing this story right after a couple of other stories about the Samaritan woman about Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and then the Samaritan woman encounters Jesus in the middle of the day. Here are people that come to Christ just as they are, and here is this man coming to Christ just as he is, and he's like, I'm desperate. I don't know what to do, but I believe, Lord Jesus, that you can save my son. Would you come? You've got to come. Come and save my son, who wouldn't want Jesus to come to their house and, and do a mighty work? You know, the hymn entitled Just As I Am reminds me of a, of a great story. Uh, we come to God just as we are. That's the way all of us come to Jesus. It's the way Charlotte Elliott came to Jesus. Charlotte, Charlotte was a charming, talented young woman known around England as Carefree Charlotte. She was a composer, an artist, a singer, and the life of the party. But when this woman was just 30 years of age, she was struck with an illness that left her uh, as an invalid for the rest of her life. She became listless. She became depressed. One day she was visited by a well-known Swiss evangelist. And sensing her distress, he told her, Charlotte, you must come to Christ just as you are a sinner to the Lamb of God Who takes away the sin of the world? She immediately received the invitation. She placed her faith and trust in Jesus and she was saved. And she began to experience an inner peace and joy that lasted until the day of her death when she was 82 years old in spite of this illness that didn't go away. Charlotte Elliott did something special to express her joy. She wrote a hymn. You've heard it. Just as I am without one plea. She wrote that story. She wrote that hymn to describe how anyone can come to Christ just as they are and be saved. Here is this man. He comes to Christ just as he is with his problems, with his burdens, with his concerns. And he believes that Jesus can do something. And that's why he's wanting Jesus to come with him. You've got to come with me. You've got to save my son. You've got to heal my son. We overcome struggles of doubt when we come to Christ just as we are. But number two, we have to leave the timing and the terms to the Lord. Now this is where it gets real. Leaving the terms and the timing to the Lord. There in John four fifty one, while he was still going down, his servants met him saying that his boy was alive. And he asked them, um, hang on, I skipped one. Yeah, there we go. I got a little excited, didn't I? Uh, All right, leaving the terms and timing to the Lord. So think about it. Here is a man who's used to giving orders. He's a royal official. He says something, it's done, because nobody messes with him and nobody messes with the boss. And so he gives orders and it's done. And he's telling Jesus, come, come, come. This isn't just some peon. This isn't just some person. This is a royal official that's telling Jesus, come and save my son. And Jesus simply looks at him and says, go and your son will live. Think about the faith that that took for a moment. That was not the terms that this man had in mind. Uh, That was not the timing that this guy had in mind. But he... He was accustomed to doing things his way. He was trying to tell the Lord what he should do and how he should do it and when he should do it. But notice that Jesus said, go. Don't miss that. See, faith is not dictating to God. It's hearing God. It's believing God. It's trusting God and acting on what he says. And this man had to be willing to leave and trust Jesus at his word. I don't know if I would have done that. Would you have done that? Imagine you've got a sick child at home, and you've tried everything, and it's not getting better. And imagine that you know that this is your last shot. Your child's not getting better, he's been sick, or she's been sick a long time, and you're afraid they're going to die. And so you go on a 20-mile trip walking, and you find this guy that everybody's talking about. You've heard that he's the son of God. You've heard some of the miracles he's done. And you believe if anybody can, it's got to be him. And you finally get there and you leverage every bit of opportunity and influence you have. And you say, you've got to come with me. You've got to save my son. I mean, who doesn't want to help a dying kid, right? You'd have to be a a jerk not to help a kid in need. I I mean, leveraging everything he's got. And instead of getting what he wants, that is, Jesus, come with me. Let's take this trip. I want you to save my son. Jesus, now that he's aware of the need, he says, go. Your son will live. I don't know about you, but even if I'd left Jesus and believed that, I probably would have rushed home to see what's going to happen next. When you look at this, Not only did the man leave the timing in terms to the Lord, but the third thing I want to share with you is to move forward with faith in God's promise. And that's what this guy did. Look again in John 4, 51. While he was still going down, his servants met him, saying that his boy was alive. And he asked them what time his son got better. And they said yesterday at one in the afternoon the fever left him. And the father realized that was the very hour at which Jesus told him, your son will live. As I was studying this this week, this was like the hidden piece of the story. You know, when you're listening to Paul Harvey on the radio, and you you get to the punchline, and he says, and now you know the rest of the story. It wasn't until I began to really study this story that, that I realized how great this man's faith was. He was willing to take an order from Jesus and go, and your son will live. And even though he left, he didn't rush home to see if his son was alive. He waited to the next day. You see, 24 hours elapsed between the time this royal official received Jesus' word that his son will live and his departure from home. What does this mean? We know this man lived in Capernaum. Jesus was in Cana, about 20 miles away. And it's estimated you can make that journey on foot in seven or eight hours. But remember, this is a royal official. He probably wouldn't walk that far. He probably had a chariot or a camel or some other means. But what I'm saying here is that had he left Cana immediately after meeting Jesus, he would have been home long before the next day when his servants met him on the way. And so this man believed Jesus at his word, and that was it. He didn't have to rush home to see if it worked or not. He believed what Jesus said, and that was enough. And the next day, he was still on his way home when he met the servants who said, your boy's going to be all right. And he said, what time was it? And they told him, and he goes, that's when Jesus told me your son will live. Think about that faith, y'all. That's an incredible story about faith. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 28, verse 16, the Lord said, look, I have laid a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will be unshakable. Another way to say it, that part that says the one who believes will be unshakable. Uh, The King James puts it, he that believes shall not make haste. The word that they translated unshakable literally means not in a hurry. You know, you are unshakable when you're sure of something and you're not in a hurry. You know it's right. You know it's true. You know that God has said something. You know that He's going to do something. And so you're not in a hurry and you're unshakable in in your faith and your confidence because you know if God says it, He's going to do it. I'm reminded of of another passage in Psalm 37 where David said, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in His way. So in other words, we can commit our way to God, we can trust God, we can be silent, and we can wait on God knowing that He will act in His own way, in His own time. But there's one more thing I want you to see about this. And that is, go back to John 4 one last time and look in verse 53. It says, the father realized this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. And so he himself believed along with his whole household. And this was the second sign Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. Adrian Rogers says it this way. John says the father believed when he realized Jesus' word was absolutely true. But John 4.50 says he already believed the day before when Jesus said, go, your son will live. What's the difference in these two verses? Verse 50, the man believed Jesus for the healing of his son. In verse 53, John makes it clear that the royal official was believing unto salvation. Now he was believing not just in a miracle, he was believing the Messiah. He had gone between from miracle to Messiah, and that's the purpose of these signs. That's the purpose of these signs. John wants you to see these signs, and they're signposts that point to something greater that Jesus is more than a man, that he is the Messiah, he is the promised one from God, he is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. There's nothing He can't do. He can turn the water into wine, and He can save this young boy from certain death. And so I want to tell you this morning, when it comes to salvation, will you come to Jesus today? Do you know Him? Has there ever been a time where you have trusted Christ with your life? Have you ever come to him and said, said, Lord, I know I am a sinner. I need to be saved. And I believe you are the Savior of the world. I believe you have paid the price for me to be saved. If you've never made that decision, I want to invite you today not to put it off any longer. To make that decision. It's the most important decision you will ever, ever make. Here in a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I'm going to invite you to respond. These altars are open. If you want to pray, come and pray. If you want to talk to me or Brother Danny, come. And we'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Whatever God is leading you to do. But I encourage you today to think about Jesus Christ. He's more than a man. He is the Messiah. He came. He lived. He died on that cross. He rose again. He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that you and I deserve. And now he's offering the gift of salvation to anyone who will come to him and trust and believe. And I want to encourage you today to take that time to come. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Musicians, if you would come. Ushers, if you'll come to the front pew. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to worship you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time to hear your word. And Lord, as we look at this awesome story of a man who was desperate, desperately wanting his son's life to be spared, who just believed if he could get Jesus to come to his house, that that would make all the difference in the world. And yet, Lord Jesus, you simply told him, go and your son will live. And this man was willing to trust that and believe that. And not only was his son spared, but Lord, he realized the son that you are more than a man. You're the Messiah. And Father, I pray that you'd make yourself real today. Lord, I pray that no one will leave today without knowing in their heart that they truly are saved. Lord, we come to you just as we are. And so today, Lord, we humbly come before you just as we are. And Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would change hearts and lives, save souls. Father, have your will and way in this time of invitation and this service. Father, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact a pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.